It's good to see each and every one of you. Amen. I know there's uh, quite a few people gone this morning elsewhere, and that's okay. That's good. Um, but it's so good to have each one of you, and, and uh, let's all stand up for an opening word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thankful hearts. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us together here this morning to um, be reminded of um, just who you are. Lord, you are God. You are God alone. There's none like you, Lord. And God, as we're gathered this morning, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that, um, that Lord, we would just be drawn to you and be reminded of your faithfulness, of your goodness, Lord. You are a good Father to us. God, I pray for all those who are not here this morning, Lord. I pray, God, that your will would be accomplished in each of their lives, Lord. I just pray that, um, God, you would go with them and that you would protect them. Um, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for, uh, for who they are to us, Lord, the friendships that we can have as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. And um, God, we miss them. I just pray that you would be with them. Father, be glorified in our midst this morning. God, it's better to, to be one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. And God, I pray that as we sing this song, uh, Lord, that you would be lifted high. In Jesus' name. Better is one day in your 
tasted and I've seen Come once again to me I will draw near you than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts. Thousands elsewhere. Thousands Amen. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me in behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. That's such a powerful passage. I just want to encourage anyone that's here this morning and... Um, Maybe you feel like you've made some wrong choices. Maybe you feel like, you know, where am I at in life? Where is God? And as that passage says, God is right there. He is still there. You cannot escape his presence. I just love the truth of that.
will be the door to life. You take my hand and lead me through, for all my days are known to you. And oh, what peace that I have found, wherever I may be, for all my ways are known to you. Hallelujah, they are known to you. Open up my so I may see that you have made the ways for me. Open up my eyes so I may see that you, my God, will walk with me. Open up my eyes so I may see that you testimony or anything to share, feel free. It's fun to sing. It's fun to sing again together. What other majesty? 
the whole 
Father, this morning we just come to you and we understand that you are the holy God. There is no other before you, Lord, and I thank you so much that I can call upon the name of the most mighty God. And Lord, that you are always there. Your presence is everywhere. It says that you are not far away. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I just thank you this morning that your Holy Spirit is alive and well. Lord, that you truly kept your promise and you sent a comforter. You did not leave us alone to try to figure out our own way. But Lord, the Holy Spirit is here to guide and direct and lead us into all truth, Lord. And I thank you so much, Lord, for your presence in my life. And Lord, for the guidance that you have given me. And Lord, for always being a holy God. You are unchanging. Lord, I can go through so much, but know that you are never there. You have never left me. You have never changed. That it is me that needs to do the changing. And if I can just trust in you, Lord, that you are always there, perfectly there for me. And Lord, I just thank you for your presence, for who you are. I just can't thank you enough for that this morning, Lord. Jesus, I pray this morning for John and Maggie that as they are there in Michigan wanting to cross the border to Canada and as they were turned away, God, you know their hearts, you see each one of them and you love each one of them this morning and God, I pray that you would fill that vehicle with your peace and with your joy, God, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength today and God, I pray that you would make a way, that you would part the Red Sea for them, and God, that they would be able to go into Canada and be with their family again. If that is your will, God, I know that you can do it. And I pray through this all that their faith would be strengthened, God. Bless them this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you are looking forward to going to heaven? Amen. Get to see Jesus. Get to uh, experience no more pain where pain is gone and everything is made new and made right. That's the hope we have, my brother and sister. This is a bit of a newer song. I think we've done it a few times, but uh, just join in as you can and let's sing with all our hearts. How I long to breathe the air of heaven Where pain is gone and mercy fills the streets To look upon the one who bled to save me And walk with him for all eternity Oh, there will be a day when all will bow before him There will be a day When death will be no more Standing face to face With he who died and rose again Holy, holy is the Lord And every prayer Songs of faith 
we sang through doubt and fear. In the end, we'll see that it was worth it when He returns to wipe away our tears. Oh, there will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be together. And on that day, we join the resurrection. We stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice, a thousand generations sing worthy is the Lamb who and on that day we join the resurrection we stand beside the heroes of the faith and with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain forever His hands, his feet. 
Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap off. All right, you can be seated, and I'll turn the time over. This song. All right, you kids can come forward. On whoever wants to come up. <laughs> I don't think we have any kids here. <laughs> Noah, you want to come? You want to come on the team? So, um, we are, uh, I was thinking about today about courage and faith. So when you think of someone in the Bible who is brave and courageous and had a lot of faith in God, who do you think about? I didn't really understand. Who do you think about when, in the Bible, when somebody has... Like in the Bible, when somebody had a lot of courage and faith, who do you think about? Who? David. David. Uh, Noah. Noah. Okay. Yeah, he did have a lot of faith. No. All right. Well, David was one of the ones who had a lot of faith in God, and so I was thinking about talking about him or about Gideon because they both had a lot of faith and a lot of courage in God. And so it also kind of goes with our own lives, too, because we all have a giant in our life that we need God's help with. And so when the Philistines were fighting with the Israelites, does anybody know how big Goliath was? Close, close. About, yeah, around 10 to 12 feet tall. So around 10 to 12 feet tall and, uh, let's see here, he weighed probably around 500 pounds or so, maybe. Yeah. So basically it'd be like Noah or Michael going against a guy with about 200 pounds of solid armor. So, I mean, I, I'd really like to see that happen, but, um, so, yeah, so about Noah's size, about going up against about a 10-foot guy with about 200, maybe 250 pounds of armor. 
So the chest, the chest plate alone weighed about what Noah weighs right now. So imagine, imagine wearing Noah. So that, that would be pretty heavy. That would be pretty heavy. So a little, a little guy, probably about five and a half feet tall, going up against a 10-foot guy with about a 20-pound spear. So do you think anybody could do that by themselves? No. So, yeah. So we need to turn on to God's help for that. And because when you're going through a hard time and it seems impossible, just remember there is nothing impossible. God will always, always make the impossible possible. And when that's over, just give God all the glory and all the praise and yeah, so basically that's all I got right now. Just always turn to God for that. Okay, you guys can sit down, but you can all watch it with your parents. Um, I was going through my, I don't know, my wife's Facebook. I don't have Facebook. I have my wife's account, but I'm not allowed to say anything. Um, but I searched through things. I found this story and I would be so proud of any of our kids that would be able to do what this little girl is going to do here but she tells the story of Jonah and it is the coolest version of Jonah's story I've ever heard and I thought you guys I came across it the other night and I thought you guys would really enjoy this and so instead of torturing you by singing I'll let you listen to this Brandon are you ready Welcome to each one that's here this morning. I just feel like I could almost call this a service and you could go home. <laughs> so it's been very encouraging and good to have the uh, praise team back. Thank you so much. Uh, been very blessed this morning and Patrick for sharing. And uh, yeah, thanks Gary for putting this on. And you know, hearing about the life of Jonah, you know, how many times he was like with this and what Patrick shared, you know. How we try to uh, go away from God, and but then you see kind of the comparison between Jonah and David, and David knew in his heart that God would be with him, you know, to to to, to face that giant. <clears throat> I guess for by way of announcement, um, yeah, always have a lunch here, so we got hamburgers and hot dogs for the day. So feel free to be here for lunch. Um, no need to rush off. The other thing is, um, there's a Walker hymn singing that's coming up this the end of this week on June the 18th. Uh, there's a uh, on the back a bulletin. There's a flyer there. So um, yeah, I think the lights have been there in the past and all. So it sounds like it's a great time of worship and just being together with other friends and Christians. Um, I think the grounds open at 4.30, and I think the uh, praise time begins at 6. So if you need further information, uh, look on the back uh, board. There's the information there as far as the, the location and time. Um, yep, as all, all, always, Saturday morning, prayer here at... 7 a.m. 
So feel free, anybody, to come for that and friends. So, yo, <clears throat> I guess without any further, why don't we just bow our head for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your mercies and your grace that you give to us every day. Lord, I just thank you for each one that's here this morning. I just pray you'd minister to each of a heart in however way that is for you, Lord. I just pray you be with Brother Phil, give him words to speak, and Lord, just anoint him with your Holy Spirit. Lord, just want to honor and glorify you in everything that we do. Amen. Amen. I'm with you, Dave. Felt like I could go home and I met the Lord. That's all I need. Is that all you need? I was talking with a fellow pastor from South Dakota yesterday, Friday, I guess it was. And uh, he was telling me his own personal, some of his personal life experiences that he's been going through. And I was inspired because uh, Michael and I took a trip to uh, Kalispell, Montana this past week, delivering a, a tiny house up there. And, and on the way, I was listening to uh, an, an audible uh, of John Piper's book called um, Desiring God. And I don't know if you've ever listened to that. Uh, he, he speaks some of it in his book, don't waste your life. So as I was listening, especially the portion I was listening to, he was speaking about how God is enough. He's an end in himself for us. And when, that, when he takes your whole heart, all of your desire, he satisfies it. That's what Jesus said, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. What's going to happen with them? They will be filled. Or the other word is satisfied. They'll be satisfied. Have you ever noticed that? I have just right here this morning singing these songs. My soul was satisfied with him. Have you noticed how worship satisfies your soul? Nothing else in this world can do that. It is an end in itself. It is enough just to worship Him is satisfying to the soul. It's not a means to more. It's not a long... You, you don't want any more. You're satisfied. It's like food to the stomach. When you're really, really hungry, you felt that lately? If you haven't, in the Western world, unless you do it intentionally, most people don't feel that, especially in our society. Now, there are people, children who are going hungry, but in our culture, in our society, unless you intentionally fast, most of us never know hunger pains. So hungry, your stomach not only growls, it starts hurting. You should try that. And when you become so hungry, you eat. You don't even have to be that hungry. 
But when you eat a very delicious, wholesome meal and you're done, you're satisfied. It's not eating is not a means to an end. You don't want more. You're done. You're, you don't want any more. And you're happy to leave the table with plenty of delicious food there and just go live. Because you're satisfied. Have you found Jesus satisfying to your soul? That is when the Lord is truly your shepherd. I shall not want. I'm satisfied. And so many of God's children, it seems in this world today, are trying to fill their soul with things that do not satisfy. It's like trying to give your empty stomach that is hungry sugar or caffeine. You ever tried that? Come on, sure you have. Me too. Why not eat ice cream first? Whoever came up with that stupid idea that ice cream should be dessert? Huh? Who's the original thought of that one? Why not eat it first? What's wrong with that? Someone even said lately, it's like supposed to be supposedly healthy for you to put the sugar in first. Because then the good stuff will, I don't know. I don't I'm not a doctor. I don't know what it does. I'll tell you what it doesn't do. If you come to a table and you are very, very hungry, and all you eat is ice cream and cake, you will not walk away satisfied. You'll walk away sick. Right? Maybe an hour later, you're going to be feeling sick. But even worse, you will not be satisfied. The hunger is hungry for supplements because that's what your body needs. And the needs of our soul are satisfied only in Him becoming my shepherd. Worship. It's that way with all of the aspects of worship. Worship is not only an emotion. It is an emotion. It has emotions. If your worship has no heart, no emotions, it's dead. It's dead. I can't believe how many Christians have convinced themselves they can worship God without any emotion. Jesus had emotions. And he let them flow out of his being. When he walked into the temple... And he's seen all the money changers and the noise of the animals. And it was a marketplace. Was he stoic? And no one knew he had any emotions. You think he just walked over to the money changers and said, Get out of here. Look what you're doing. Uh Uh-uh. That's not the picture I get when I read that story. An emotional man throws over tables. Makes a cord of whips and starts whipping people. Whipping animals. Get out of here. You're making my father's place a place of merchandise. What is it supposed to be? A place of prayer. Worship. Jesus got emotional. He also let those emotions flow. When he raised Lazarus from the dead. 
He wept. And then he yelled with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Jesus worshipped with emotions at the garden. When he wrestled with his heavenly father with his own will. And there, his emotions of weeping and sweating drops of blood as he wrestled with his heavenly father alone. If you, your worship doesn't touch your soul, it's not true worship. Jesus said in John chapter 4 to the woman, the Samaritan woman he met at the well, who gave him this theological question. Yeah, the Jews say, you worship, your worship is in Jerusalem, and our fathers told us to worship here at this mountain, and where do you say we should worship Jesus? What was Jesus' answer? He said, the day is, and the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshiper It doesn't matter where you worship. We'll not worship in Jerusalem nor here, but we'll worship how you worship. We'll worship in spirit. That word spirit is from the heart. Your worship comes from your heart. It is heartfelt. That's where true worship happens. And in truth. In spirit and in truth. And if you're missing that worship, dear child of God, your worship is lifeless, has less life, and doesn't satisfy you. No wonder we try to satisfy ourselves with things of the world. Even good things like family life, good family life. Oh, it's amazing how many of God's people who lose the true worship experience on a daily basis try to fill that worship heart, the need for worship, with structure. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find true worship in getting up early at 4 o'clock every morning and from 4 to 6. I will worship. That's where I'll worship. You tried that? I did. And it killed me. Nearly killed me. It killed my soul for a while until the Lord resurrected me. Because I was trying to find Jesus in a structure of time. And Jesus is timeless. The Holy Spirit is not found in your schedule. He wants your heart. That's where you'll find Him and be satisfied. You know how the Lord did it for me? You see, I was told, and it's not this brother's fault. He meant it well. But I was told that if your Christian life, if you don't spend at least two hours with God every morning, Your Christian life is a joke. You want to be a joke? I don't want to be a joke. I was a young Christian. Lord, I'm not going to be a joke. I want to be real. A real Christian. So I'm going to spend two hours 
with you alone. And I battled it, battled my flesh. Don't be a lazy sleeper. Get up, seek God. Oh, how I fought sleep. And how I condemned myself when I fell asleep on my Bible. Waking up thinking, what am I going to do? I'm going to drink coffee. I'm going to drink water. I got to... I got to kneel down in my chair to do it because Andrew Murray, you know, he, he wore the carpet out where he knelt every morning, I was told. I want to be like that. And then the Lord, in the midst of that struggle, gave Katie and I a son, a baby. What do you think of when you think of babies, Mom? I bet you think of sleepful nights. I finally had my baby. Now I can rest. Hallelujah. We get to sleep all night and do whatever we want through the day. Is that what moms think of? Am I wrong or right, moms? Wrong. Wrong answer. Huh? Send them to the babysitter. That's a loving mom, isn't it? That'd be one way of finding rest. No, the nights are now up every two hours, right? Feeding the baby. The baby's crying, perhaps, is hungry. And the Lord not only gave us a son, he gave us a special needs son. Don't you love Jesus and how he messes up your structure, your way? of worship and he does it on purpose he does it because he loves you and me he does it because he has something better that what I'm doing is not satisfying my soul I'm not finding his love and joy and peace satisfying me so he gave us a special needs son. And yes, he was up a lot in the nighttime. And I remember trying to think how in the world I have to get up at four o'clock. So I made a deal with Katie. I'll tell you what, I'll try to get up some at night or I'll try to take care of him more through the day and you take care of him at night because I have to keep my structure or my Christian life will turn into a joke. And I remember with the night, two o'clock in the morning, when Katie brings Christian in, lays him right on top of me. And she goes, can you please just take care of him? I'm exhausted. It's your boy. And she promptly fell asleep. And my wife, she can fall asleep on a dime. I mean, just in a minute, she is out. Now what am I going to do? I got a squirming boy laying on my chest. And she's out. But I got to get up in two, now, in two hours to meet the Lord. So I got up. And I remember getting up thinking, Lord, what are you doing to me? I'm walking Christian back and forth in the kitchen, dining room area, in the living room. Make him sleep, Lord. Make him sleep, please. Just put him to sleep. And I remember as I was praying, Lord, make him sleep, please. 
I look down, and Christian's looking up at me. This smile on his face. Like, Dad, you're really funny. That look on your face. And the Lord said to me, This is me. Fellowship with me. Right here. Right now. And I remembered the words of David. I will get up in the night seasons and sing praises to you. And the Lord said, sing to him. Sing over your son. So I went and got a hymn book and began to flip through and sing songs that I had grown up learning to sing. And began to sing to him. And as I began to do that, it wasn't very long. Christian fell asleep. I remember the song I sang. How many of you know the old hymn? Can you count the stars of evening that are shining in the sky? You know that old hymn? That's just one of the first songs I sang to him. Worship is enough. But it is found in Jesus. And it's lived out in our lives in these three areas. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says this to the church at Thessalonica. Verse 23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. That word sanctify is simply the word set you apart and the word originates with the Levites you remember what God did with those who were from the tribe of Levi in Israel what were they to do go fight the enemy no what were they to do in Israel lead the people in worship their whole life was to be focused and centered on worship, sacrifice, helping others worship their God with their sacrifices, leading Israel in praise and in song, writing songs. They were the tribe of worship in Israel. They were not to go fight wars. They were not to go and make a living. They were to be supported by the rest of the 11 tribes so that they could focus on worship alone could be their whole life would you like to be a Levite today God sets us apart every one of his children to be a Levite at heart we need to go make a living I do it just like you the Lord said in the New Testament, if a man shall not work, neither shall he eat. Paul said that to the churches. He said, we commanded you this way. And you know, he said to the church at Ephesus, how we labored night and day with our own hands so that we would not be a burden to you. Paul lived like that. There were times when he was supported by certain churches with gifts. But overall, 
He worked for his living. But today, the Lord is looking for those who work for whatever they do. And he wants to set us apart. Where? Here. That the Lord himself may sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants worship in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. He wants us, He has set us apart to be Levites at heart. And if there's a title for this sermon, it would be that. Levite at heart. Can you say that God has made you, designated you to be a Levite at heart for Him? The sons of Korah were part of the Levite tribe. And the sons of Korah wrote many of the Psalms that encourage us to this day. Yesterday morning... The boys and I had this conversation, such a beautiful morning, we sat on the back deck and the boys and, and Katie were cooking breakfast on the grill and, and we were sitting back there talking about Amy Carmichael. You remember Amy Carmichael? And numerous others. And we were talking about how God used these people's lives that still impact us today. We read their story, they encourage us in their walk with God. And then I related to the boys about Jean Guillaume, Madame Guillaume. And she was a French lady, Lel knows of her, back in the 1400s, who became a Christian. She was a wealthy lady, married to a, a, a prince or a count who was in the, in the leadership of government. But then the Lord set her apart and she became a Levite at heart she began to worship the Lord and give her life first her spirit and then her soul and then her body and the Lord used her to bless the poor and serve the poor and share the gospel with them and so many people were becoming affected and born again through her ministry they locked her up in prison the church didn't like it too much. The government and the church were one back in the days of France in those days. And she spent the rest of her life in a prison cell. And out of that prison cell, she wrote books. And she ministered to people. And now, almost a thousand years later, I'm telling you of her story. And you can read her books. And she her writings... The worship of her heart has encouraged God's people because she became a Levite at heart. The reason we were talking about that is because we read in the Psalms how that the righteous will be remembered for all generations to come. Forever. And we talked about all these righteous people that had they not been a Christian, a Levite at heart, they're not remembered. There were millions of people on the earth in their day. We don't know their names. 
the righteous will be remembered forever. God said it, and God makes sure it happens to encourage His people from generation to generation. God started this work right here by recording the righteous for us to inspire us to be Levites at heart. And when we do, a thousand years from now, people will be saying, you know, there's this book you ought to read. Yeah? Yeah, his name is Dwayne. Really? What about Dwayne? He was a Levite at heart. He became a Christian. There was Gloria. There was Heidi. There was a Steve. There was a Kent. I can go through the whole room here. The Lord knows your name. And he has set every one of us, you, me, apart to be a Levite at heart. And when you and I worship him, become Levites in obedience, in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body, we are preserved blameless until the day of Jesus Christ. They will know your name. God will write it down. You don't need to. It doesn't mean all of us need to be so concerned about our legacy that we all write autobiographies. No. Many of these people never wrote a book. But we know their name. Because God preserved their life to be Levites to his people in every generation to come until Jesus comes back and then for all eternity. That's what it means to experience eternal life, my dear brothers and sisters. Not just a short little life that is but a vapor and it goes away. The wicked shall pass away and be remembered no more, David said. No memory of them. Unless you're extremely wicked, perhaps like Hitler. Those people we tend to remember. Well, who's going to volunteer to be that guy? We don't want to be remembered like that, do we? Walk with God. Let the Lord set you apart in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. He satisfies you completely. He is your shepherd. Romans chapter 8 tells us, These are the sons of God. Who is? Those who are led by the Spirit. This doesn't happen through determination. I could not make it happen no matter how hard I struggled and fought and was determined I was going to worship God in my structure of two hours every morning. Oh no, the Lord is a master at messing up your structure, my structured way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And our ways, they're not His ways. Isaiah 55 says, the Lord says, your ways are not my ways. And your thoughts are not my thoughts, says the Lord. Therefore, repent from your ways and your thoughts 
and come and serve me. Turn your Bibles with me to that wonderful word of Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Ho! That word in the, in the Hebrew is just saying, listen! Hey! Is the word we use now. Has God ever said hey to you? You know, we say that to each other, right? Hey! Hey you! If we don't know their name, we say, hey you! Or we say, hey Lucas! Or, hey Anton! That means I'm talking to you, right? You don't say, hey, straw back or whatever. I mean... What does the word hey even mean? Where in the world did we come up with it? Well, God's used, God's terminology for hey is ho. It means ho, Gloria. He's talking to you. Gets your attention. Ho, wake up. Ho, everyone. Have you read that in Isaiah 50, 55? Ho, everyone. But not everyone. Only those who thirst those. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Oh, man. Do you know, Mo? Do you know how many Christians I've met? who have come to me and said, they have went to seminar after seminar, they have bought tapes, they have, back in the cassette tape days, you know, you know how old I am, they have bought CDs, they have bought DVDs, they have bought all these books and literature, they have been thirsting for teaching, and they didn't find him. Their life hasn't changed. They still get angry and yell at their children. They still become frustrated at life. They're like Solomon. In Ecclesiastes he says, I got everything my heart desired. There was nothing left to want. Was he satisfied? No. You know how satisfied he was? He says, I began to hate life. I hated life. I was so frustrated. The, the Hebrew word or the English word and uses the word vexed. That means he was just frustrated with everything that he got. Wait a minute. Have you read lately how rich this guy was? He had stables of horses and he plastered the walls with real gold in his house. He had everything money could buy, and he hated living. He was so frustrated with it all. Read his words in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and 2 and 3. Solomon, wait! This was the guy that built the most glorious temple Israel had ever seen. Was he not a man of worship? For the first 20 years... He built the temple and he was seemed happy. But do you know the difference? He built his father's plans for him. Have you read that? David was the architect of this temple. He gave him the plans when he anointed him as king. He gave him the charge. Not only that, he provided 
all of the stones and the wood and the people to build it. David set it all in order and gave his son the work to do. He was just doing his father's work. David, his father, had a heart of worship. Solomon just lived his dad's dream. His heart wasn't in it. The reason I know this is because he says so. As soon as he was done with the temple, what did he build? Someone tell me. His own palace. That's what he built. And he made his own palace more glorious than the temple. Yeah. It came back to bite him. And then he chased his lusts. Married many, many women. Horses. Multiplied to himself. And did you know the Lord had warned Israel about this? When the days come that you have kings, he said, they shall not multiply to themselves women, horses, and material things. But God said there's one thing the king should be doing. He said, you, he should be reading my law and writing it down for the next generation. That was what the king was supposed to occupy his time with. And Solomon did write many proverbs. But he tried to mix his life with the pleasures of the world. Mixed worship was not a Levite at heart. And what happened? This is what happened. You know what he said his life was worth? You know what he described it like? He said it's like spitting into the wind on a windy day. Have you ever tried that? The wind is blowing at you. Just go up to Wyoming one day when the wind is real strong and, and try to spit in the wind. What happens with that spit? Right over my face. I mean, make it a big juicy one. See how you like that. Lots of snot. Would you, that make you happy? Satisfy you? That's what Solomon said his life was like. And yet, I find in my natural man, my worship to God can consist of begging God to make me like Solomon. Lord, give me this. Give me more money. Give me this. Give me that. And then I'll be happy. Really? You want spit in your face? That's what you're asking God for. Somehow we believe it'll make us happy. Because we're not Levites at heart. Stephen used the word in Acts chapter 7 to the children of Israel. That made them so angry, they killed him. They stoned him after he said that. He said, your hearts are hard. And you simply want from God what you want. What you feel is righteous. I'm paraphrasing. You can read it. But then he said this. The Lord wants to circumcise your heart. You know what circumcision is? It cuts off the foreskin. The natural part of your life. 
cuts it off. It's a bloody mess. When Moses tried it, his wife said to him, Surely you're a bloody husband to me. She wasn't impressed. The world is not impressed with the circumcision of our heart. But unless you and I allow the Holy Spirit to circumcise, cut off those natural desires, they will cut us off from God. Jesus said so. What are the things that will choke out the word? He said, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of those riches, because boy, do you have to care for those riches. If you don't, they'll steal them. And the desire for other things will choke out the word. They kill your worship. That's what they do. They steal your heart, which God has set apart to be a Levite at heart and find fulfillment, joy, pleasure, gladness, and satisfaction in Him alone. And that's the only place we find that He's worth it all. That satisfaction is when He cuts it off. And he'll do it through the most unexpected ways like a special needs son. Yep. He'll take your ways. Isaiah 55. Verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance, incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Those are the same mercies God will promise to every one of us who listen. And... Do this. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways. My ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. For you will go out from this place of worship. You will go out with joy. 
Did you understand? Think about this, brothers and sisters. Joy is satisfying. It's the end of itself. When you find true joy and even just happiness, it's enough. Think about it like this. When you have a birthday, you little children, how many of you like birthdays? You love birthdays. Why do you like birthdays? Why? Huh? Presents. Yes. I cake and ice cream. Those things which don't satisfy. But you know what does satisfy in your birthday? The one thing that will satisfy your heart and your parents' hearts is happiness. When you receive your toys and you have eaten your cake and your ice cream, you come over to your mama and you hug her and you kiss her and you say, thank you, thank you, I love you. That's it. The end of all joy has found its place. Now it's complete. There's nothing more to be had. And that little child will run away playing with the toys that six months later they won't ever play with again because they're too grown up for them. But this love doesn't pass away. This relationship creates a memory that that child will grow up remembering to the day they die and it'll put a smile on their face and a warmth in their heart. It's treasured. That is an end in itself. The joy, the happiness. You will go out with joy. That's enough. It's an end in itself. Have you found this? In Jesus. When he gives you the happy birthday gifts. Yes, sure, Lord. I'll get tired of it in a little while. But my joy is made complete. That's what Jesus said. My joy I will give to you and your joy will be made complete. Satisfied. In Him. Or you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Have you seen the trees clapping their hands? Did you know there's a lot of joy in that? If you haven't found it, you're missing it. Our son Christian found that joy. I had missed it. For so many years. How old was I when Christian was born? 28 years old. For 28 years of my life, the wind frustrated me. It was like spitting in my face. The dust, it blew in my eyes. You know, unless, you know, like yesterday, there was a nice, cool breeze when it's so hot. But rare was the wind a blessing. And I most certainly never seen it in the trees blowing. Until the day when our son Christian, in his little wheelchair... We took him out in the deck. I'll never forget this day. First time I saw it. And he, it was a windy day. And he looks up. And he's looking at the trees on the back deck there. And the leaves are doing this. The trees are doing this. And he starts 
bursting out laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, what's funny, son? And he can't talk to me. He can't tell me what's funny. But he's looking at the trees. And the trees do this and do this. <laughs> it made him laugh until he cried. Tears of joy. Break forth in the shouts of joy before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord. Your life. A memorial for God. For all the generations to come. Until the day Jesus comes. Your life. My life will be a memorial or an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. That's worship. When my soul, my spirit, and my body are satisfied in his love, in his joy, in his peace, and he begins to make my thoughts his thoughts, but for that to happen, dear believer, there must be a circumcision of the heart. There must be. The old must be cut off. And that's painful. Bloody. For Jesus to send the Holy Spirit to you and me, the only way was the cross. And that's why he sweat drops of blood wrestled in his will but then yielded and the cross became the means to the Holy Spirit coming and now giving you and I this dwelling place of God in our hearts and creating a new person the old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And what does he create you to be? A Levite at heart. Those who worship God in spirit and in truth. In their will, they now learn to do his will. And it's with emotion. It's with gladness of heart. Obedience satisfies the heart like nothing else in this world. It produces peace in the heart. It fills the heart with joy like nothing else in this world ever will. You will never find a happier child in this world than when they obey dad and mom. Produces a glad, happy child. So it is with us, our Father in heaven. First Peter chapter 2, as obedient children, not walking according to the lusts which can't satisfy, but being holy as he is holy. Clean, set apart, sanctified is the word to be a worshiper. And that satisfaction is enough. God bless you. Mm. Thank you.
thanks, Brother Phil, for that word. And uh, appreciate you, your time there and uh, for the words of encouragement. Um, I think um, I'll just open it up. If someone has something on your heart you'd like to share or anything, why you, now's your time. I'm sorry? Like happiness? I'm sorry? <clears throat> like happiness? Satisfied? Oh, yeah. yeah. Is that something to talk about? Sure. Okay. I just want to. I've got a little granddaughter that died about five years ago at 11. And she told me, she says, Grandma, I love God. And there was about a week later, her uncle died. And she goes, about six months later, she says, is there Mornay, is he in in heaven? And he goes, oh, yes, I'm sure he is. And she goes, I'm going to go there someday. She goes, you sure are. Your favorite song is Hallelujah. And she just goes on. And, and then about six months later, we had a bad accident. And she left with us. But she was with Jesus on God's lap, hopping around. And she was, God wanted to know what Big Daddy, you know, the singer, he prayed with Don and Dan and says, I, would, I need to know, is my daughter happy? And he prayed about that and he, he asked Lord, can you show this couple how their little girl's doing? She said, he just, we all said amen. The whole band was hand in hands in a circle. And it, it all ended. That night, she woke up to a dream. And she was sitting there, and there's music, a trump. And it's just beautiful music. And she comes around. She looks around and cuts her daughter's face in the most beautiful white dress playing a trumpet. And that she wanted to do a musical thing. <laughs> but it just fit right in. And she's just, we're all happy where she went. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Thank you for that. Amen. Yep. True joy. So, anybody else? Real quick. Okay. If not, um, hang around for some Colorado barbecue. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, uh, it might be just a little bit. Looks like they're just kind of now getting the grill fired up. So anyway, uh, why don't we all stand and we'll have the benediction and blessing on the meal. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you uh, for your word today and the encouragement and the blessing that I have personally received. And we just want to honor and glorify you. We thank you for the food that's about to be prepared. I just pray you bless it to our bodies. Bless the hand that have prepared it. And Lord, just... Be with us throughout this day as we depart from here.
keep your angels over us, and Lord, that we can always be that beacon and that shining light for you. Lord, as we um, throughout our week, Lord, as you give us opportunity to speak a word of encouragement and life into others, Lord, give us a word to speak in that very moment. Lord, I just thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.